Lord, oh my soul. That means that everything from deep within cries out to the Lord and blesses his name. Are you glad you know his name tonight? Praise God. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1. Turn with me there. A familiar passage of scripture. Matthew 2 and 1. If you have that, say amen. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. And I want to talk to us tonight about the star and what it means to seek the star and to be a seeker. Because the first attribute that we must have if we are going to find what God has for us and who God is, is for us to be a seeker first. We're called to be seekers. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's ask the Lord to help us for a few minutes tonight, shall we? I won't be long, but I am going to preach for just a minute. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. I pray that we would seek after the star of wonder, God. I pray that we would have a sense of wonder when it comes to seeking after you, that we would follow the signs that you've placed in our lives, in the heavens, all around us, God, that we would have a heart that works to find you, God, a heart that longs to know you better. We give you praise. We give you glory. And everyone said in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I think it's fascinating that just before the times of the New Testament and all through the Old Testament, a uh, hundred and forty times. The Bible says that the reign of kings was measured in the year that King Uzziah died, Scripture says, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign, in the 50th year of Azariah, and on and on the Old Testament measures time by the time frame of kings and their rulership. And then we come to the New Testament and it simply says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. And from that day forward, time and history would be marked by the measurement of one king. The king of kings born in a manger. B.C. and A.D. has changed the way we view time from then to now. The timeless God became man, superseding the reign of every earthly king in human history. 
splitting time in half literally, bringing rejoicing in the heavens and hope to mankind. And, and I love how the old song says, the great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. Amen. The psalmist declared that the heavens declare the glory of God. And yet many people look at the heavens and never truly see God's glory. They see something glorious, but they don't recognize the full revelation of God's glory. The story of the wise men who journeyed from the east to see a king is an example of the heavens literally declaring the glory of God. I'm going to say that one more time just to wake you up for a moment. It was literally the heavens declaring the glory and the majesty of God. And yet these three wise men from the east were the first to notice that something important was taking place. And it's not a stretch to assume that these three wise men traveled at least 800 miles to see Jesus. This is amazing because they were not Jews. They were not who you would expect to be paying attention to the birth of a Jewish Messiah or a Jewish king. But they saw his star in the east. An interesting way to put it, it was not just a star. It was not just a sign. It was his star. And they traveled to worship him. The star was there for everyone to see and for everyone to follow, but these men saw it before others saw it. And they traveled before others began to travel. And they were seekers before anyone else had decided to be a seeker. In fact, when they came to the region, they went before King Herod, and they asked him about the star. And Herod did not even know when or where the star had come from. But they had seen it and they rejoiced. Carnal humans have always had a perception problem when it comes to God. There are some people that are looking for God to move and there are some people who are oblivious to what God is trying to do. It is the nature of our humanity that if we do not challenge ourselves to be a seeker if we do not challenge ourselves to be wise men and women if we do not challenge ourselves to be perceptive and to be looking for something in the heavens to be looking for something around us if we're not careful we will be like Herod and we will be oblivious to the heavenly declarations that are taking place right over our heads it is possible to come into a Wednesday night church service. I'll just use this for an example and think that you're just here going through the motions and, and God could be trying to do something very powerful in your life even tonight. But if you, if you are not seeking it, if you are not looking for it, the star could be hovering above you and you will miss the window of opportunity that God is placing in your life. And so these wise men, they saw that something was happening. They didn't understand exactly what it was, but they knew that it was a king. They knew this was spiritual. They knew this was profound. 
Humankind has always struggled to see what God is doing. I think all of us in this room could admit that we have had moments where we struggled to understand what God was doing in our lives. Sometimes we struggle to know why God is doing what he's doing. Sometimes we want to know where he's doing it, and we seek for a sign. We seek for the will of God. Anybody ever sought the will of God before? You seek after the, the timing of God. Many times in my life I've prayed, Lord, show me your timing. I, I, I don't mind waiting, but it'd be nice if you just gave me a, just maybe a little hint of when the waiting will be over. Anybody ever prayed like that before? I, you know, I'll wait, but maybe just give me a, just a little glimpse of when I can expect an answer to come. And, and we look for these things. It's the nature of being human. We look for God in the thunder, but he's not always in the thunder. We look for God in the earthquakes, but God is not always in the earthquakes. And, and, and finally, there are these moments in our lives, and we can point to them when God speaks in a still, small voice. He speaks in ways that we don't expect for him to speak. Like Samuel, we look for anointing in the older, stronger brothers and barely even pay attention to David. Like Gideon, we think a big army will give us victory, but God says, I'd rather win with a faithful few than a large army of people who have no faith. God spoke to the prophet Samuel when he was just a small boy, and uh, he thought that it was uh, the prophet Eli speaking to him in the middle of the night. Several times this happened. Samuel was not even looking for God to speak to him, and yet God was trying to do something that he was not understanding. An angel appeared before Gideon, and Gideon hardly blinked. He couldn't even recognize that something spiritual was happening here. The, idiot, the, the angel spoke to him and said, you're going to be used, and he struggled to even understand that he was going to be used by God. God spoke to Job from a great storm, and Job argued with God. Anybody ever argued with God in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your storm? Job argued with God when God was literally thundering from the storm. And the angel of the Lord rescued Peter from prison, and he thought he was dreaming. He couldn't even recognize that this was actually happening. Then Peter went to the prayer meeting where they were praying for him to be rescued. And when he knocked on the door, Rhoda came to the door and said, who is it? And when Peter said, it's me, it's Peter, she would not believe that it was really Peter standing at the door. And we preach about that a lot because it's so much like us. We were praying for God to do something. And yet when he does it, we struggle to believe he's actually doing it. It's much like this star. It's much like the birth of Jesus for hundreds and hundreds of years. They had been praying for the birth and the coming of the Messiah. And yet when the Messiah came, almost no one believed that it was the Messiah. This is the nature of our humanity. It reminds me in some ways, and I'm going to just get on a, a little bit of a soapbox here. It reminds me of the day of Pentecost as well when they had been waiting on the promise. They had been waiting to be endued with power from on high. If you study 
the teachings of Jesus, nowhere do we find that Jesus told them in advance, you're going to go wait in an upper room, you're going to have a prayer meeting, and then all of a sudden you're going to feel uh, something uh, change in your spirit and your tongue is going to stammer and your lips are going to stammer. Nowhere do we find that Jesus told them, and all of a sudden you're going to speak ecstatically in a language that you have never learned before. We don't know anywhere in Scripture where Jesus told them, this is how it's going to happen. This is how it's going to be. He just said, go and wait, and you'll know it when you see it. And then the, the tongues of fire appear over their head like as of tongues of fire. And they all spoke in tongues. And the people around them said they're drunk. Why? Because human, uh, human thinking often looks at the glorious things that God is doing and says that's foolish, that's crazy, that's difficult to understand. Why would God do it that way? Why would God send a star? And Why would they come from the east? And why would he be in a stable? And why would he be in a manger? And why wouldn't he be in a palace? And why would they be in an upper room? And why would there only be 120? And why would God cause them to speak in a language They've never learned before. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to wake you up on a Wednesday night. You have to get used to being able to recognize what God is doing even when it does not make sense. And so if he's pouring out the Holy Ghost, you better not push against it. You better follow that star until you speak in other tongues. You better walk after Jesus until you find what he has called you to find. Follow the signs. Follow the stars. It's difficult for us. Rhoda had a hard time believing. The prayer group had a hard time believing it. Could we be honest here? Have you ever... This is, this is just very real human talk. Can we be real? Any, any uh, Pentecostal robots out there? Good. Because I'm not a robot either. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, uh, I'll hear an incredible victory report or uh, a, a praise report from someone I, I, I don't know or maybe from a church that I've never been to that I'm not a part of. I don't struggle with this with people that I know, but sometimes when it's someone I don't know, I'll hear a report and there'll be a part of my flesh. We're getting real. Is this okay? Some of y'all can relate to this, but I know what you'll do. You'll pretend like you've never done this, and you'll just look at me ugly like I'm the only one. You do it to me every time. And sometimes I hear that report, and I, I, in my mind, I wonder, I don't know. I don't know if that really happened. Did that really happen? Anybody ever done that? No, you won't admit it. That's okay. Because I don't know them. I don't know the story, and so in my flesh... And then I feel guilty about it. I have to go pray and say, Lord, why, why am I doubting something? Just because it seems impossible to me. But when I look at my life, I see things that sound crazy that God has done for me. But I know it happened because I was there and I experienced it. And so now it's a, a praise in my life. And we've all been like Rhoda. We've all literally seen the answered prayer. There's been times in my life when, when I have been stunned when the doctor told me that a miracle had taken place in my body and I had been praying for that miracle. Pastor tells the story of 
even after we lived in Georgia when I thought I was going to have to have a fifth open heart surgery and it was going to be a big deal and, and uh, I went to the doctor and been going back and forth. It was very bad and that final time we went in and the doctor came in and said he couldn't believe it. He didn't know uh, what had happened, but everything was fine. I wasn't going to need surgery. Well, God had already spoke to pastor about it, but God forgot to speak to me about it. So I didn't know that was going to happen. And pastor forgot to tell me about it too. So uh, I was just all, all on my own there. And, uh, and no one was more stunned than I was when the doctor said that. He wasn't surprised at all. But I was in absolute shock. I f- and I, I thought later, it's just like Rhoda. Here, here I'd been praying for that. And yet I was surprised when the answer came. That is our humanity. We are prone to be that way. If we're not careful, we are prone to be surprised at the supernatural taking place all around us. But we should not be surprised when God begins to move because God is great and greatly to be praised. God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. God is omnipresent. God is well able to deliver. God is well able to save. God is well able to heal, and God is well able to direct us where we need to go. We see that God warned Noah about the great flood. God literally spoke to him, and he built this massive structure, and no one except his family listened to him and believed, in spite of the fact that the greatest moment of judgment poured out at one time upon humanity, was about to take place, no one would listen. Why? Because human nature is to disregard the supernatural. Joseph had dreams that came directly from God about the future. They were prophetic dreams. And when he shared those dreams with his own brethren, his own father, they hated him for what he was saying. Even Jacob struggled to accept what Joseph had seen in his dreams. Oftentimes, we have to be careful even in the church because God can give you a supernatural vision. God can show you a sign in the east. God can send a light into your life. And even your brothers and sisters sitting beside you will reject what God is trying to do. I'll tell you how we have revival. We stop rejecting every sign of the supernatural. And we start rejoicing when our brothers, when they have a dream. And we start shouting with our sister when she has an anointing. And we stop trying to compete with one another. And we say, thank God you have a dream, Joseph. I'm praying God gives me a dream too. And together we are going to see God change our circumstances. Elisha's servant couldn't see the angels of the Lord until the old prophet prayed for the Lord to open his eyes. Repeatedly, the Bible reveals stories of human perception. We see, but we don't perceive. Or we don't see because we aren't paying attention. We live with the constant struggle of trying to see with the eyes of faith And yet so often we are looking with the eyes of our flesh. 
And when our flesh doesn't see the supernatural, we dismiss the supernatural. But apostolic tabernacle, we have to be a church that is paying attention to what God is doing in the heavens. We have to be a church that is in tune with the moving of the spirit. And that means even though we can't see it, we are called to believe it. Even though we may not always feel it, we are called to obey it. Even though it may not always make sense, we have to walk in the will and the plan of God. If I could challenge someone for this upcoming new year, it would be this. Find the flow of the Holy Ghost and do not quench it. Do not run from it. Do not stop it. Get in the middle of it and run and move with the flow of the Holy Ghost. And watch what God will do. Many times we miss the plan of God because we miss the signs that he's trying to give us. How many times do we miss what God has for us? In fact, I, I can't tell you how many people I've counseled with over the years where they, they say, it just seems like God won't speak to me. And then when we begin to look through their life story and their testimony and 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 the year that has led up to this moment of desperation. I, we realize as we speak that God had tried to give them signs over and over and over and over again. And yet they failed to see what God was doing in their lives. And so they missed the plan of God. There is something about being able to tune in to what God is doing. That will change your life. I said it will change your life. If you can tap in to what God is trying to do. Hebrews 11 and 13. The, the, uh, the hall of faith passage of scripture. The, the faith hall of fame many people call it. Says this. These all died in faith. Everyone said in faith. They all died in other words having faith. They all died with faith. They did not die faithless. They died in faith. Listen, not having received the promises. Can you say that with me? Not having received the promises, but having seen them where? Far off. They died with faith. They'd not received it, but they had seen the promise. And because they had seen the promise, they had faith for the promise, even in their death. That's faith. I said, That's faith. And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers. And pilgrims on the earth. In other words, they were not living for this world. They were living for the world that is to come. And even though they had not seen their promises come to pass, they died with full assurance that God would fulfill the promise even after they were gone. I'm going to preach to somebody here for just a moment. Some of you will not live to see the promises that God has given. But God is going to fulfill 
the promise. Somebody needs to receive that. I'm speaking in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you may not see in your lifetime what you're wanting God to do, but God is going to do what he said he was going to do. You've got to have the assurance. Embrace it. Believe it. Live it. Walk in it and trust it because God is doing it. And so let me ask this. This is a Christmas sermon of sorts. Why did the wise men see what others did not notice? This is the kind of thing I ask myself. Why did the wise men see? I ask this even today about people. Why, why can one person read one thing and see that and another person live their whole life and never see the truth of what God has for them? Why? Why can one person, why can three people, why can four people why can they see it and yet no one else notices what is actually there? We find the secret, I believe, in how they responded to Herod's questions. And here's how they answered every single time. For thus it is written. It is written. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. In other words, they could see what others did not see because they were paying attention to the word of God. If you want to see the signs of God, you're going to have to begin with the word of God. Knowing the will of God always begins with knowing the word of God. I said knowing the will of God always begins with knowing the word of God. If you want to know the future, you need to know his word first. If you want to be used in the gift of prophecy, you need to know his word first. You cannot separate the prophetic from his word. You cannot separate preaching from his word. You cannot separate what you need in life from his word. It will always begin with the word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. And when they came to Jesus, the Bible says they fell down and worshiped him, even though he was in a stable. What does this mean? They saw what was written in the word. And when the star hovered over that stable, they came to Jesus in spite of what the nativity scenes try to show you. Jesus, I do not believe, was glowing with an angelic heavenly glow. I hate to bust your theological bubble if you believe that. But I do not believe that Jesus was shining. I don't think there was some kind of supernatural light that was radiating out of, out of the, uh, the little manger filled with hay. I don't think, I, honestly, I believe that he just looked like an ordinary baby. I don't even believe, based on what scripture teaches, that he was a particularly good-looking baby. He was just an ordinary baby in a stable. And they walked in and Contrary to what many people would try to portray in, in, you know, scenes, I don't think Mary was all put together and perfect looking. She had just given birth to a child in a stable. I think she looked uncomfortable. Joseph probably looked stressed out of his mind. Is this okay? We're just being real? I mean, you just think about it. You just gave birth in a stable, and there's no room in the inn. 
These people looked stressed. This was a difficult circumstance. I'm not saying they weren't happy. They had faith in God, all of that. But it was difficult. Anybody ever had faith and still just felt exhausted? Yeah. They were exhausted. They were uncomfortable. And then, in the middle of all that, have you ever been in your most exhausted, uncomfortable, inconvenient, embarrassing moment of your life, and then people come walk in your house? I have. And, and then they're, they're going through, and then all of a sudden, three wealthy men just walk in the stable. Hello. We've been following this star. And here they are. They, they didn't know they were showing up. They didn't get it. They hadn't sent out invitations to a baby shower. All of a sudden, people just sh start showing up. And when the wise men saw Jesus, even in all of this real-world humanity that's taking place, they recognized there's something special about this. And they fell down and worshipped him. Before Jesus had performed one miracle, taught one lesson, they worshiped him. What does that mean? If you want to see the will of God, you are going to have to worship and celebrate the plan of God, even before the plan seems like anything more special than a tiny baby that can't do anything for you. Has God ever revealed his will to you and his will just seemed completely impossible and he gives you this little plan like it makes me think of Noah I want you to start building a giant boat okay Lord I start building a giant that seems crazy but but I'll do it how's that gonna help and and God says just do it and they walk in you've got to be able to worship God even when it doesn't make sense they presented their gifts over and over we see this played out in scripture the prophet Simeon and the prophetess Anna, they were 90, in their 90s, and they had been praying for a sign. They had been seeking for it. They had been looking for it, waiting for the Messiah. And suddenly when he came to the temple, they knew in their spirit, because they were people of prayer, they knew that he was the Messiah when others had no clue what God was trying to do. How did they know? Number one, they were at the temple where they needed to be. How did he know? He knew because he was righteous and devout. How did Anna know? She knew because the Bible says that she worshiped day and night. You want God to reveal his word to you? Worship the Lord day and night. Be a worshiper when you feel like it and a worshiper when you don't feel like it. She was 91 years old and she was still a worshiper. And God said, I'm going to reveal to her the Messiah. I'm going to show her what she has been longing to know her entire life and also both of them were expecting to see the promise and because they believed a promise was coming God showed them the promise anybody believe that God's going to do some things in your life that seem impossible in the upcoming year I'm not expecting you to run or shout tonight but I am expecting you to go into 2019 believing that God is going to fulfill some promises that seem far away and completely impossible and if you look closely tonight you will see the sign in the heavens that God has put there for you to know that he's working. I'm almost done. John the Baptist looked up after he'd been preaching and teaching and baptizing. And he locked eyes on Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God 
which taketh away the sin of the word, the world. Peter was asked by Jesus, who do you think I am? And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. These are revelations. These are moments where people saw a sign, they believed it, and they followed it. They followed it. Two thieves on the cross. One saw a king, and one saw a criminal. One thief mocked, and one thief begged for forgiveness. Same place, same time, same circumstances, and yet one was able to see the sign, and one refused to see what God was doing. Stand with me. You know, as a preacher, I, I see this when preaching. You can, you can look out, and you try not to do it, but you can see. You know, preachers see more than you think they see when they're preaching. And uh, when I'm preaching, I can typically look out, and I can tell who sees the sign and who doesn't. I can tell who's receiving faith and who's not. I can tell who's doubting and who isn't doubting. I can tell who's just paying attention and who isn't paying attention. And sometimes it just comes from flat-out carnality. They just, we're just tired. or Sometimes it's not anything evil. It's just we're exhausted. And I understand. I feel that way sometimes. But sometimes it is just complacency to what God's trying to do. It's just that we're more concerned with ball games or what we're going to eat later and all of those kinds of things. Uh, we're more concerned with, you know, work tomorrow. That's just carnality. Sometimes it really is a spiritual battle, though. It's a, it's a, it's a, a fight for survival between good and evil in your spirit. You can look out and you can see that. It, it's not hard. If you've been preaching as long as I have, uh, I can just glance up and, and I, can, I can see who, who's receiving, who's not receiving. And I have to purposely tune that out when I'm preaching, when I'm praying, and when I'm flowing in the Holy Ghost because uh, I, can't get, I can't get bogged down by that or I won't be able to continue preaching what God has put in my spirit. But here's the, the danger of the last days. Everybody okay? I didn't come to make you run aisles. I just came to talk to you. The danger of the last days is we have all of these devices and we can bring them to church. And I'm not preaching against looking at your cell phone. I, I understand some of you are going to look at it this way. I'm, I'm just talking about everyday life. We can go through life, and even when we're not on our device, our mind is so wrapped around our stuff. Our minds are so caught up in whatever distraction. You can name the distraction, whatever it is. That we come to the house of God and there is a sign that God is trying to give. God's trying to fill you with the Holy Ghost, refill you. God's trying to heal you. God's trying to give you direction. God's trying to speak to your heart. And yet, even though you might be looking, and the person next to you sees a star in the heavens and you don't see anything. 
You ever wonder why you can see one person getting a blessing and you don't feel anything? They saw the star and you didn't. You ever wonder why one person can worship and you don't feel like worshiping? They saw the star and you weren't looking. And there's a lot of reasons we don't look. There's a lot of distractions that creep in our, in our lives. It's not always just terrible sin. Sometimes it's just stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. If you aren't careful, we will miss everything that God has for us because we're just not paying attention. What we need to learn in the last days is we need to be looking. The Bible says, lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. The Bible says in the last days, you need to start looking towards the clouds because his return is imminent. We've got to stop looking down and looking over and looking around and start looking up because we're not going to see a star. We're going to hear a trumpet. And when we hear the trumpet, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. But if you're not paying attention, the next time you look up, it'll be because you were in a field walking with Brother Jacques. Walk with me, brother. You're in a field looking down. Brother Jacques praying, and you're looking down, and all of a sudden, Brother Jacques has gone. Then you'll be paying attention, but it'll be too late then. It'll be too late then. And that's the nature of our humanity. You will pay attention someday, but it better be now before the trumpet sounds. Let's get the distractions out of our lives. Let's come into the house of God ready for the sign that he wants to put in our spirit. Here's how I want us to close. I want us to pray. That God would help us to see supernaturally what he is trying to do in the upcoming year. And I mean that in your family, in your home, in this church, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your relationships. Come on, lift up your hands and say, Lord, I want to see it. Remove every blinder. Lord, I pray that you'd open up my eyes and help me see your glory, God. Lord, remove the scales from my eyes that I might see. Come on, Ananias, lay hands on somebody and let the scales fall off their eyes. Come on, Saul. God sent me here to tell you that it's time for you to see again. God sent me here to tell you it's time for you to see again. You've been blind for far too long, but Jesus is here, and he wants the scales to fall off of your eyes so that you can see the vision of what God has for you in your future. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, oh God. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. I want to see your workings in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Somebody here has been questioning God about some things. You need direction. You need an answer. Lift up your hands right now and say, God, my eyes are open. I'm paying attention. Let your light shine right now. Give me wisdom. Give me direction. Give me guidance. I've taken all the distractions out, Lord. It's just me and you. I'm ready to hear your voice.
I'm ready to see your face, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I'll follow the star wherever it takes me, Lord. It might take me to a stable. It might take me to a manger. But, Lord, I will go where your sign directs me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm done. But I'm going to tell you this. If you follow the star, it will not be an easy journey. Do you know why we ignore the star sometimes? Because the star will always take us out of our comfort zone. It will call us to travel in directions that we're not comfortable going. It will cause us to go through valleys that we don't want to go through. It's easier to just stay home. It's easier to just do what we're comfortable doing. I don't want to have to go 800 miles on a camel to a stable. That's our flesh. But you will miss the plan of God and you will miss the face of Jesus if you refuse to get out of your comfort zone and follow the star that God has placed in your life. We're closing. God, I pray that we would follow you with all of our hearts. I pray that we would reject every excuse. I pray that we would reject our flesh that would rather stay comfortable and warm. And I pray that we would go and do everything that you're calling us to do. God, you're calling some of us to holiness, Lord, and we don't want to because our flesh wants to stay in our comfort zone. But you are calling us out of the world. You are calling us out of the world. You're calling us out of Egypt, and we don't want to leave Egypt, but it's time to go and do what you are calling us to do in the name of Jesus. And everyone said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, it's in Jesus' name.